Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family. That is Believe. That is why I stumbled saying it. It is not me messing up the word Believe. It's Believe, B-L-E-A-V. I feel like that's the sound it meat makes when it hits like, um, you know, a counter or something, bleave, um, something like that. Uh, and that's as much uh, fun as I'm going to make of my podcast network because they give us ads and we're very thankful to be part of that. So enough of that, Michigas, and on to this week's wonderful, wonderful guests, a cartoonist, an illustrationist, uh, illustrator, illustrationist, I think both count, animator. <laughs> And a musician, uh, please give it up for Luke McGarry, everybody. Hooray. Oh, wow. It's so nice to be here with you all. <laughs> what, a warm <laughs> what a warm welcome from all these people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's instinctual for me to clap. I just yeah. like, you know, that there's a, just a, you know, a form to introing and then it just leads to claps. And because other people aren't here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I ruined the surprise. Other people aren't here. Uh, I just feel like I have to clap. Um, Luke, how's it going? How has lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, been? What uh, what have you been up to? Um, it's uh, I'm currently doing well. Everything's going just fine. Uh, that's, that's great. That, yeah. You won. You won. Yeah, exactly. This is the best we can hope for. Um, yeah. Uh, no complaints other than that, you know, obviously, as we record this, I think we're on the verge of another lockdown. Um, <laughs> we've certainly re-entered mask mandates. Right. Um, but other than that, you know, quarantine's been um, no different than my usual schedule of, mm-hmm. you know, waking up at nine, drawing some cartoons in my apartment, taking lots of naps. Um <laughs> You mean I mean, to tell me you d- you didn't go to like Echo Park in the sunshine and just draw? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't leave the house. <laughs> I, de- I definitely don't go out in the sunshine. So yeah, um, so that's been good. Uh, I mean, even out like quarantine wise, uh, obviously fully vaxxed have been for a couple months now, but um, I never even took any COVID tests. Because the only two people I saw were my brother and my girlfriend, and both of them were getting loads of tests. So I just used them as my yardstick. Okay. Uh, so it's like if neither of them are sick, I'm fine. <laughs> right. um, so uh, yeah, literally nothing was different. Didn't have anything stuck up my nose. Nothing. <laughs> um, so look you at know, you. It's it's been pretty good. Um, nobody in my immediate circles got sick. Uh, so yeah, quarantine was good. And then other than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I work on a lot of concert posters and stuff and like right. comedy show posters and, and different things. Uh, so that slowed down a lot. That was a change. Yeah, um, I would I would guess that went away almost entirely, probably. Yeah, almost entirely. I did a couple posters for Zoom shows. but it's Oh, like, yeah? yeah? Any highlights? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any highlights on any Zoom events? No, like, you know, I, um, I'm astonished that uh, I mean, it, it's, I really like that people tried to continue with some form of entertainment and I think it was good, but like 
me personally, anything I was involved in kind of, you know, digitally, you tune in for your part and then you bail, you know, you're like not sticking <laughs> around for, you know, right. I don't know, watching bands play on a live stream. It's like, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also it, it's just weird for like live stream music a lot of the time during, you know, the last year. It just seems so weird that like I, I, I watched them and I thought, are they even having fun? Yeah, that's the thing is particularly with live stream music, because, um, you know, there was a lot of kind of live stream comedy that um, was pretty cool. I did um, one or two picture. This is uh, right zoom and those were fun that was kind of a fun format for it but yeah for i think that actually uh, worked pretty well and yeah like it really made people focus on the screen um right. but like for bands and stuff it's like i could just watch a youtube video of this at my leisure you know right. rather than having to tune in at 10 o'clock at night to right. you know a zoom channel right do you now I know in the past Coachella has like live streamed certain performances. Like if you know it's live and it's actually at a venue with people, what are your feelings about that? Is that better? Um, I mean, that is kind of fun. Uh, I, again, I never personally watched any of the Coachella live streams, but right. again, if you wanted to see something, you can just tune into YouTube later. But, um, uh, and in my defense, I've been at Coachella most of the times when they were live streaming stuff. So, you know, like I'm gonna, sitting in my hotel room, like a, a mile away from the festival, watching it on a laptop. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, cause I know in the UK, they've been doing that with like Glastonbury and stuff right. for years is, is um, broadcasting it on the TV. And that's kind of fun. Like if you can't go, um, uh, Obviously, you weren't allowed to do this during the pandemic, wink, wink. But like if there was an event happening and you wanted to have some people over, and you all have beers and make an event of it or something. That's fine. Right. Um, but yeah, just sitting by yourself <laughs> watching, you know, um, some third tier band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the font size is like, you know, 10 point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's like I wouldn't have even gone to see these guys live, let alone tune in. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, obviously, that isn't reflective of any of the bands I did posters for. Um, sure. The, the sure. Band, obviously, they, those are all definitely worth watching. Uh -huh. but, yeah, um, did yeah. all your Zoom posters have to, like, have a screen in it, like like something computer themed? Um, I don't know whether they had to, but they all ended up doing it. <laughs> it was kind of fun. It's like it's a fun format to play with, you know. Right. Um, especially because I never use um, rulers in my work. Like I hand draw everything. Right. I hate straight lines. So <laughs> I really like uh, just on a kind of creative note, the playfulness of hand drawing like computer windows and stuff just without <laughs> straight lines. It's like, this looks so janky. This oh, looks like fun. some you know, idiot's idea of like <laughs> trying to explain on a napkin what the internet is to somebody 50 years ago. It's like, oh, it's got little windows like this, you know? Right, right, um, right. So yeah, I, I had fun kind of in, including computer stuff in my artwork. Right. Computer stuff, yeah. When people hit you up for that, did they tell you anything or they're just like, you know, oh, we're just doing a show, like, please make us something. So it doesn't seem like we're just doing this on Zoom. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the brief was always to make it look like it would be more fun than it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured. 
Um, and then it's so weird to like, cause I'm used to, you know, including the venue name and the address and stuff where it's just like, you just have a link and that's it. It's just like, Oh, just find some way to incorporate, you know, bitly dot slash forward backward, you know, three Oh two one, you know, whatever. Right. 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 Yeah. Lord forbid they actually put the Zoom meeting URL with the passcode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw people put that on flyers and you're like, you know, I'm a very competent person, but I don't want to type that out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I do not want to have to keep going back and forth. Yeah. Typing that out. Um, I, you know, I'm curious and maybe we'll dive in deeper even later about this. So what, when people give you, commission you or they pitch you something and you're into it, like what is your thought process in coming up with concept and, you know, not drawing straight lines or whatever else? <laughs> well, um, it's sort of 50-50. Like sometimes people come to me with a very clear thought out concept. Right. And, um, I always really like that because I, I don't have to think at all, you know, mm. and even if it's a dumb idea, it's like, well, this is what you asked for. I'm not putting myself out there pitching like, oh, this will be a cool idea. And they're like, That's, <laughs> I hate that. Do you yeah. have an example of that? Um, no, no, uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, okay. No, I, I'm actually trying to think if I have any like really dumb, bad examples. It's never like, um, Mm -hmm. like a dumb idea but people kind of get distracted mm -hmm. with what they want visually and they kind of forget that you're drawing something on a poster that right. if it's printed it's going to be you know 11 by 17 18 by 24 if it's a huge show right um but for the most part it's going to be like an 8 by 10 flyer that then is shrunk down onto instagram but yet right. people go in like you know okay i want the guy in the foreground and he's on a motorcycle and he's wearing like a leather jacket that has the band's logo. And then, you know, like a few yards past him, there's a tree and there's like a bird in the tree and there's uh -huh. like a little, you know, bird feeder, you know, whatever up there. And then in the distance, there's a city and it's like being overrun by aliens and stuff. And it's, you know, and like, you can see the people in the windows. They sat and it's like, this is never gonna fit. This is gonna be, you know, so small. Right, right, so right, right. I usually just go, I'll draw the guy on the motorcycle. Right. I'll give you an outline of a tree and that's it. Like there's no city in the background. Now, like when it comes to, you know, Festival Supreme uh, or anything you do with Tenacious D, maybe you get a bigger canvas. Is that like a different conversation that you're having? Yeah, well, they really gave me um, uh, just a, a shit ton of freedom. Um, they, they were, uh, Jack and Kyle, um, and their team were a lot of fun to work with because I think we kind of gelled immediately um, right. just because all of this stuff is so reliant on dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay, we're kindred spirits here. Um, <laughs> so they gave me complete freedom. They'd be like, okay, the year of this, or, or the, the theme of this year's festival is space. And then I'd do something about space or they'd be like, oh, it's around the election and it's also around the, you know, this big basketball game and uh, it's also around Halloween. So, you know, maybe combine those ideas and then I'd pitch it and they'd go, you know what, let's just focus on Halloween. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> too many things. Um, so yeah, uh, they gave me a lot of freedom, but um, the first year I worked with them when it was at the Santa Monica Pier, right. um, they were like, yep, yeah, you know, we're doing this festival, it's on the pier. Uh, 
blah, 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 blah. And so I drew all the rides that were on the Santa Monica Pier. That's fun. But um, the main roller coaster that everybody was riding on happened to look like a penis. <laughs> very, <laughs> very, you know, reminiscent of the penis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they used that for about a week. They really loved it. Um, but we got a cease and desist letter from the city of Santa Monica um, going, you know, first of all, the carnival rides are owned by somebody else. So uh-huh. you can't include those. Those aren't part of the pier. That They're just on the pier. So you can't right. include those because right. um, we'll get sued. But then they said, um, if we see another dick, I'm layman's terms here, but it was like, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing. If we see another dick, we'll shut this festival down on site. Like, you know, we don't care how much money you've paid. We don't care how many people have turned up. If we see a single dick at this festival, we're shutting it down. So uh, the Tenacious D team took uh-huh. that as a challenge and were like, Luke, you got to hide more dicks. <laughs> you got to hide more dicks. So the backdrops for the festival, we had these um, palm trees with <laughs> that were suspiciously veiny for palm trees. and had Right, right, right very big coconuts hanging off of yeah, just like, a lot of phallic things right yeah absolutely yeah um the the replacement poster for the festival was the carousel that's on the santa monica pier right, right. Sort of, uh you know centerpiece of the carousel was uh, also very phallic um so yeah it was a lot of fun working with them because they were like rather than going this is going to get shut down they were like okay, this means we have to try and hide as many dicks as possible. Right, right. Yeah. Now, did they have, did they explain their reservations at all? Or like, there are kids around here. Yeah, there was a lot of this is a family event. Um, there was the, the official cease and desist letter does say, um, your client, Jack Black, on the penis ride. <laughs> <laughs> and so I do have that. I have a copy of that. Um, I keep meaning to get it framed, but I yeah, have you, you should absolutely, absolutely get it framed. Yeah. And if you can get a frame that's just dicks as a frame. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be pretty great. Yeah. But rather than not working with me again, uh, yeah, Tenacious D hired me for right. every iteration of the festival after that. Um, right. And hopefully they bring it back because uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Right. And I think they did it, what, three times? Uh, three or four. Yeah, there was. Because um, they moved to the shrine after. Yeah. The... So there was the, the, the initial one at the Santa Monica Pier. Right. And then there was um, a Halloween themed one. And then there was a Vegas themed one. Right. And then there was a space themed one. And I think, yeah, I think there's only four years, but right, right. solid four years. But yeah, the, the next three years were at the shrine. Right. Um, I uh, cool. it was very cool. I remember. I think I went to the last one, and um, I remember Brent Weinbach marrying people, and he uh, said that like uh, it it could be a bit or it could be legitimate that because he's ordained, <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I I that was just fascinating to watch like some people like hey come on let's do it it's a bit but like it could be legally binding if you wanted it to <laughs> yeah 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 it was a, they, they really let a lot of stuff fly <laughs> those right. festivals that like looking back it's like oh that's crazy that they did that yeah yeah and also have i mean it's always a precarious balance trying to have live music and live comedy at the yeah. same time i think it really works i the, my favorite part 
of that setup was that uh, because it was in the shrine, right. they used the main theater, the huge theater for the comedians, right. and then had the bands playing on smaller stages outside. So you'd have big bands playing the small stage and then, yeah. you know, um, you know, a, a comedian doing like, what, what's the capacity there? Like 2000 people in this? Yeah, area? I think in the main, in the main auditorium at the shrine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe more, but yeah, it's a big ass theater. And then, you know, everyone on the small stages outside. Yeah, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was cool. Right. I mean, that'll be, definitely the pandemic will be over, over when that can happen again. Because there were so many people that went to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I want to get into more of everything you're up to. And I mean, like, I don't know how you even found your way into this wonderful world of animation and illustration and whatnot, but you want to get into some comedy news? Let's do it. Let's hear some comedy news. Comedy news. It, it, it happens. There, there are, there are, there are news items that are comedy related and here they are. <laughs> So to start off with, um, SNL writer, comedian, and uh, I think overall boundary-pushing uh, art-focused comedian, I, 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 I feel confident saying that, Julio Torres is uh, officially making a movie through um, everybody's favorite art house uh, production arm, A24. Um, and that's all the details that they have at this point is that he's doing it and it's happening through A24. Uh, as you can imagine, it'll probably be like, I mean, comedies through A24. I mean, it's just like the A24 brand. It's very stylistic. It's, uh, you know, very indie art house something that may not play in your multiplex, but you know, that, that it's interesting that all, who's to say now, because all of the theater business has changed. I mean, Arclight's gone. Arclight Hollywood is up in the air. I mean, AMC officially took over the, um, the Pacific theaters, which is also under the same company as Arclight uh, at the Grove and the Americana. And like, you know, at AMC, I'm able to see that movie Zola, which is an A24 movie uh, that I don't think I would have previously saw at a, a AMC in 20 or 19 or something like that. So I don't know what it is, but the last thing that Julio Torres did that people got to see that was exclusively um, just his was his comedy special, My Favorite Shapes, which is both high art and prop comedy at the same time. Uh, did you get a chance to see it? Um, I saw it when he did like a little bit of it on the late night shows. Oh, right, right, right. It was, it was good. I didn't actually realize it was a full, it come out as a full special or anything. I thought it was just oh, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it gets even more ridiculous because it's like an hour of him doing that. Excellent. I can see that going from being funny to being tedious, to being very funny again, because it's continued. 
but yeah. I, I'm a big fan of his. I, I like his work a lot, so yeah. I would watch it. Me too. And uh, I feel like it's only A24 that keeps the tight-lipped on what the movie is, but I don't know. Like, I can only imagine that it has something to do with shapes if it's just for Julio. I mean, Julio <laughs> also co-created Los Spookies, uh, which, I, I mean, is very, very much in his wheelhouse. But, I, you know, who knows? Do you, you have, what would you imagine Julio, a Julio Torres, Torres movie to be? I'm hoping it's a full length of... Um what was the snl sketch wells for boys <laughs> uh-huh. wait what was that one wells for boys i think it was called where it was uh-huh. um it was like sort of like the barbie dream house ish oh. but it was a well for right, sensitive right. boys to stare into um, <laughs> oh that's such a julio torres movie yeah one of my favorite things and um yeah the the closing line is uh like oh don't don't just get him a barbie uh, it's like that, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I would watch a full length of Wells for Boys. Right. Yeah. If it was full length, I imagine like it would be a somewhat normal looking well, but wherever that well led to or wherever you looked into in the void that came out or the void you looked into on the other side would be um, bedazzled in neon. Yeah. um if you if julio commissioned you to make a poster of wells for boys uh the feature-length film what what, what would you come up with well i think you'd do like a classic sort of um you know uh it would actually work really well you'd use the reflection of you'd have the kid the boy staring into the well on one side and then the reflection of the well the sort of the dark void you know sort of yin yang um you know mirror image very stylistic a lot of room to work with right uh, on his um so you know (laughs) Leo, if you're listening to this and your film does happen to be the full length of wells for boys (laughs) i'm I'm right here (laughs) i'm i'm already picturing it because i feel like you would in your own style you would make it moody but that the contrast of like how uh fun and bouncy your a lot of your illustrations are with just how dark the sort of spirit of <laughs> wells for boys is i think would be very fun yeah. <laughs> yeah um next item of news there is going to be a documentary on the mary tyler moore show um which it seems like uh, we're re- there are a lot of people revisiting uh, sitcoms in, in documentary form as of late or, you know, d- digging into comedy of the past, specifically of the 70s, uh, 60s, 80s, and so on and so forth. Uh, CNN just did like a whole series called History of the Sitcom that um, they did not advertise. And I don't know if anybody watched. <laughs> um, I was even, I wasn't even emailed about it. I had to, ran, I just randomly found out about it on social media and then I forgot to watch it and was only reminded of it when I was walking by the CNN building on sunset. And it was just like Paul Reiser talking about the nineties. And I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. My, um, my friend, Tom Richmond actually did the promo art for that. I think oh, yeah? he made promo art, but didn't, I guess, really use it or advertise it. But he's um, the caricaturist for Mad Magazine. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, 
he had to draw every sitcom star for this history of sitcom. But all I saw was him getting shit online because this wasn't up to him, but like all these famous ensemble casts, the only full cast they included on the poster was Friends. And it was uh-huh. like, why, you know, why is, uh, you know, why is there only um, Will Smith, you know, for Fresh Prince? Why is there only, you know, Seinfeld for Seinfeld? Right. Like, it wasn't, he drew all of them. It's just whoever laid out the poster. But yeah, he was getting a lot of shit for it. Oh, well, also, I think it goes back to your original problem of like, how big do you want the poster to be? Exactly, exactly. You yeah. know, and uh, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on what side of the uh, friends spectrum you fall on, uh, you know, they, they are pr- arguably the most popular, popular scum of all time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> oh my god see those are like i i keep running into this every now and again it's reactions like that um efforts if you will if you're in sound that i just feel like say so much like i wish there were just a, there were like a series of reviews that were just that yeah <laughs> like people walk out of a theater or they just finish watching a the pilot of something and they're just like uh, yeah <laughs> and i'm like oh yeah i get it yeah <laughs> um do you ever uh, watch mary tyler moore no uh no there's a kind of a, a good history of american sitcom that i've kind of missed i know i've seen bits and pieces but right. you know um uh having grown up in the uk there's so much of that stuff that i missed and it means nothing to me but on the plus side like with all of that i have no affinity or affection for the Cosby show, which is serving me well in these yeah. later years. It's like, right. I don't give a shit about Bill Cosby at all. So, right. um, well, I mean, did you, <laughs> did you have like a similar, pro- like, did you grow up watching Faulty Towers and now that John, John Cleese is like kind of weird, like, is that a problem? Yeah, I mean, a bit of Faulty Towers, but um, we were never really a Monty Python family anyway. So again, I've kind of escaped that as well. Right. Like I've, I've, I've been quite lucky uh, in my comedic tastes uh-huh. surviving the test of time in that uh-huh. wasn't really into Python. Uh-huh. Um, Not into AbFab. Yeah, I, I actually did like AbFab, but AbFab's great. I don't think any of them have been canceled. Um, no, no, they, they have not. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't into Woody Allen, like never you know, dove into the Woody Allen oeuvre. Uh, right, right. um, so yeah, uh, I've been lucky. The, the only problem is now it seems like people are turning on John Mulaney. <laughs> and I was a big John Mulaney fan. But it, I mean, I don't know, I don't know why? Because he's there. just having a hard time. I don't think he's like yeah, done exactly. anything like exclusively like terrible. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we'll see. I'm not going to like stake too much of my sure. reputation on defending <laughs> John Mulaney. <laughs> but he seems like a nice guy that's having a hard time. But what do I know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, it's like, I mean, I think it's hard to level a judgment on either side. Like, we weren't there for the years of his marriage and like, what that, who knows? Yeah. No one knows yet. Yeah. Yeah. No one knows yet. Who can say? Yeah. Uh, what, what, all I will say is that I've enjoyed his work thus far. <laughs> yep. Yep. Man, if only like, I don't know if you had this in the UK. Did you like these anti-drug programs? Um, like when you were growing up, uh, Dare or Sane, where like actual uh, police officers would come in and tell you the dangers of like smoking marijuana. Right. Uh, yeah. If like that, if John Mulaney 
like if all of what just happened to him like happened when i was going to school and just like see your favorite comedian yeah. got into cocaine and then he yeah. got divorced <laughs> he's yeah. a mess this is what happens whereas you could just point to mitch hedberg yeah yeah <laughs> like, damn yeah, yeah. There's a, i mean there's a lot of people you could point to there's a lot, um, of, a lot of people but yeah um right right yeah, it's a tough one um, I admittedly, I have not watched the Mary Tyler Moore show either. Um, I mean, I think this is just, a, you know, a problem across the board for everybody. I mean, there, there is already so much content. I mean, if you just wanted to focus in on TV, there's so much TV that has ever been created. And then there continues to be exponentially more TV that's created. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like I go back and watch the Sopranos. Right. And it's like, I don't have time for this. I made it through one season. Right. And like, you know, I've seen it. <laughs> my my roommate uh, tried to do that. She made it, I think, through like three quarters of The Sopranos or maybe yeah. four fifths. And then she went on to The West Wing. Yeah. Yeah. I um, never saw The West Wing. I saw The Sopranos at the time, but on my rewatch gave up when he was uh, started talking to the talking fish. And I was like, I, I don't need this. Um, <laughs> I did manage to re or watch for the first time the wire so right uh, yeah i saw and you watch the whole way through yeah so that's what i've been up to during the pandemic <laughs> okay did it did it live up to expectations that people obviously set for you yeah i really enjoyed it um i thought the uh opening credit music how they changed it every season it got worse and worse and worse it really did <laughs> yeah. they took a song that was like huh okay yeah. and then it kind of grew on you yeah and then it like why is it this different version? Yeah, yeah. It, it, they made it cheesier and cheesier. Um, yeah. And that's probably something you didn't really notice unless you binge watched all of it at once. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it probably wasn't as bad of a decision at the time. Like, oh, we'll shake things up. Not right. expecting me, you know, 15 years later to go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um so maybe we'll get around to Mary Tyler Moore, but also it's interesting to note that um, Lena Waithe uh, is a big part of putting this documentary um, on Mary Tyler Moore together. Um, so it'll be interesting to see her perspective on it. It will be interesting. I can't get a handle on her work. It seems like everything she does is completely different. Um, yeah, I feel like um, th there's a a very Soderbergh-esque vibe to that. Yeah. She, she wants to just have, or like Richard Linklater is very much like that. You just want to keep doing different things and not yeah. peg down. Yeah, between The Shy and um, I guess her season of Master of None. Right, yeah. And I really enjoyed The Shy. Um, right. I liked the first season of Master of None, and then I don't think I really followed up on it. Um, right, but her season four is technically not even, like Aziz is just like in the background. He's right. not even the focal point. Yeah, and yeah, speaking of comedians getting canceled, I see why. I'm curious, you know, maybe you have some thoughts on this. With Aziz, his last special was essentially an apology, but it felt so um, produced and performative and like, all right, this isn't, what, what is this? 
Cause he like wore a Metallica t-shirt and he had like was Spike Jones directed. Right. And it was shot at this angle that like you can see backstage for some reason. So it's like more intimate. Yeah. And like, okay, what do you, what is that? You're not that guy. You're a suit guy. You're an yeah. expensive suit guy. And um, yeah, you don't like play like folk music, like, or something yeah. like indie rock coming into your special. Yeah. I am. Um, I like bits and pieces of his stuff. Um, but to me, his comedy always seemed like, oh, I was hanging out with somebody more famous than me and you'll never believe the funny thing they said. So it's like, it was really just anecdotes about how other people more right. famous than him are funnier than him. Like, right. <laughs> it's like you know, oh, okay. Well, right. I'll just watch, you know, oh, Kanye said this funny thing when I was hanging out with him. It's like, okay, well, let me just go listen to Kanye then rather than, you right. know. <laughs> I mean, there there is an argument to be made when it comes to like re, uh, relatability in comedy where you can bring your own experience to the human experience and people can connect on that level no matter what your background is. But like when you, it does seem when you get very rich and very famous and that is your bubble, um, people have a hard time connecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, who knows? It's like, um, what's that Thirty Rock thing where um, Tracy Jordan uh, is starting to lose touch with his roots and they mm -hmm. cut to his comedy special and he's like, people in St. Bart's eat their lobster like this. <laughs> oh, nom, nom. Don't look me in the eyes. <laughs> yeah. You know, that actually, I think is a good way to segue into the last news item I want to touch on. Um, Bo Burnham uh, released his, uh, I'm going to say, well-received uh, Netflix comedy special, Inside, which he uh, taped during the pandemic, um, in one room. Um, and it's going to have a theatrical run starting this Thursday uh, and go on throughout this weekend uh, in a couple hundred theaters across North America. Um, some stand-up purists um, thought it, I, don't, I, I would say it's a bit of an air professional jealousy, but um, I think the special was great. Um, I don't, I think I applaud him for making, being in a room cinematic. <laughs> there, are, there are specials in like gorgeous theaters that are like, you didn't, this isn't visually arresting at all. <laughs> there's a person standing on stage i mean that's the point but um yeah i thought it was really great i think it'd be fascinating to see it uh on the big screen uh did you get a chance to see it um i didn't uh and i'm not sure i even really want to <laughs> not, not a big bow fan that's fine well that's it's a it's did he do eighth grade was eighth grade yeah he directed yeah. eighth grade yeah i really enjoyed eighth grade um right. i really enjoyed him in promising young woman or whatever it's called yep yep um uh and i'm happy for him and glad that other people are enjoying this special but i just have just no opinion on it one way or the other i just have no <laughs> desire to see right. it even to like hate watch it or whatever it's like i just it's like collecting stamps to me. It's just like this, just, you know, if you like it, go for it. But right, just, right, right, I right. just don't even think about it. Sure. <laughs> um, but I'm happy for him. <laughs> do you watch, uh, I mean, uh, no problem either way. Do you watch a lot of comedy specials, Luke? I do. I watch them um, as and when they come out. Like I said, I'll always watch like a Mulaney special when it comes out. Um, right, right, right. I'll watch the Chappelle stuff when that comes out. Uh, 
you know, even just to see like what the latest controversy is about with him. Um, right. but yeah, I do, uh, I do enjoy comedy, but I think, um, like musical comedy and stuff to me is kind of hit, hit and miss. Like I have to already be, I think on board. Like, I, I don't think, I guess it's with, with any music really. Like I, I have such a hard time getting into new stuff that like something will catch me and then I'll be really into it. Or like, right. I'll be a fan of somebody and they'll release something new and I'll dive into it. But like, and I know Bo has been around for ages, but to me, he's still a new musical comedian. And it's like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need new stuff. <laughs> sure, sure. Wait, what, what, what constitutes not a new musical comedian for you? Um, Tenacious uh, D? I mean, because- no, I guess Tenacious D have been going long enough. Flight of the Concords have been going long enough that it's like, right. oh, I'll check out the new thing if, you know, what they're up to. But um, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think like who else? I'm trying to think if there's anybody- that I've recently, um, you know, discovered and gotten into, but it, it escapes me. I don't know. I'm so weird about right. anything new. So it's not even like <laughs> comedy. It's like, I have to be tricked into watching it and then I'll admit that I like it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Um, like even it, to go back to John Mulaney real quick, like um, I, I only got into him because uh, he is my friend's, brother's friend from chicago and we were at a party and she's like on his first special it's like oh you gotta listen to this my brother's friend he's really funny you know and then it's like oh good like it, there was an in there you know right like, <laughs> not that he was like uh, uh, like one of the fastest rising comedians in yeah exactly I mean, i'm i'm far enough removed from the world that like any press or hype anybody's getting unless it's spilled over to the mainstream is right. escaping me but yeah it's like if somebody goes oh this is my brother's friend you go oh i'll listen to it you know <laughs> That is, man, you must have like, that might might be a very singular experience that you got to, uh, introduced in, to John Mulaney as a brother's friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then like you look him up later and it's like, oh shit, this guy's more famous than you let on. Like, oh know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he was already very successful. <laughs> right, right. right um, That's so fun, man. <laughs> I, I, uh, I would venture to maybe suggest as far as musical comedy that maybe you haven't gotten into that I think you might like. Uh, do you know Karen Kilgariff? Yes, I do. I do. She, before all of her My Favorite Murder fame, uh-huh. um, she would go on stage and often, like she used to be a stand-up and then was like head writer. Ellen, she's lived like so many different lives. But there was a there's a time in Karen's life where she went on stage and played fun songs and they were actually very, very funny. Right. Um, which, I mean, even in describing that, I think that's part, part of the problem too. When I say like, like her music's very funny, that evokes such a cheesy, like iteration of comedy. But like, I think they were very clever, very meta, very like self-aware songs. Right. And she also took advantage of like the way that Karen sings sounds so unmistakably like Lisa Loeb. Right. That she really plays that up to like, maximum comedic effect yeah yeah uh well i'm aware of her stand-up but yeah i'll have to dive deeper into the the musical aspect yeah she she yeah. made like one musical album it's really really fun um through ast records uh i would i would 
was just kidding. But yeah, I get, you know, Bo's interesting where I, I didn't like his YouTube, YouTube stuff at all when he first like broke out. Right. And then he like really pushed himself as an artist over the years and like became a director and all that. And like, you know, from eighth grade on, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at this again. I think that's part of my problem is that I'm aware of him being a YouTube comedian that right. was like big on MySpace or whatever. And it's like right. that, that whole thing uh, is offering, <laughs> just straight up offering to me. But like, again, you kind of have to, um, like giving a dog a pill, you have to like sneak that stuff into me. So you put him in Promising Young Woman, which I'm already enjoying. And it's like, right. oh, Bo Burnham's in this and he's okay. Or right. like I watch eighth grade and go, oh, he directed this. It's, you know, it's good. Right. Um, but yeah, you, you really have to trick me into watching. <laughs> watching his YouTube videos. Right, right, right. No, I, I, I didn't get on board for those. It was like he, when he started, he released a special on YouTube and that was like, oh, this is like really cool and not like anything that people tried to show me for years. Right. So that, and that, and, and also there used to be a show on Showtime called The Green Room um, where they had, they, it was just like conversations between comedians, but they made a point of like booking people for the conversations that maybe you wouldn't think would talk to each other. So like mm -hmm. Jim Jeffries and Bo Burnham and they actually both dug each other a lot. Right. Yeah. And that was where I was like, okay, well, what else is here? Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm not a little, I'm more, way more different than you. I love like discovering stuff, uh -huh. which uh, does often lead me down to listening and watching a bunch of crap. Right. Like I'll just listen to watch er, like anything new, but I'm not going to like dedicate a whole bunch of time to it. I just want to like find something yeah. new. I, I think, I think that might be my problem. I think I'm, I, I'm similar to you in that, um, uh, I have to discover something for myself and it has to feel organic kind right. of like uh, my girlfriend's always complaining that uh, I don't like any music she shows me because she showed it to me. And she's like, if you found this on your own, you'd like it. But right. because somebody's shown it to you, you're like, I don't care. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think that might be the problem. I have to feel like I did it myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you got, that's the work you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the the quote unquote work, uh, as they would say in therapy. Um, so that is it for news uh, this week. And now back to you, Luke. I, you know, I, I, you are the first, uh, I think, full bred like animator illustrator I've had on this podcast. So yeah. I'd be curious to hear and, you know, take as long or as little as you'd like like what was your journey coming up to your career and making your path uh having fun <laughs> illustrations <laughs> well um my dad's a cartoonist as well um and by extension, all of his friends are cartoonists. So as a kid, every adult I was aware of was a cartoonist. So I just assumed that's what people did. Like it wasn't <laughs> school and people would be like, oh, my dad manages a supermarket or, right. you know, like my dad uh, sells cars. Right. But it was like, wait, they don't just hang out all day 
trying to think of jokes and drawing stuff. Um, what an irresponsibly fun world to grow up in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like everybody had, you know, side hobbies, like, um, uh, you know, my dad messed around with music. Uh, that was a, that was the big thing. Everybody was a, a, a cartoonist and um, like failed musician. <laughs> Like everybody like played saxophone on the side, and, you know, and would get out at parties and like, right. you know. Um, so the two big things I grew up aware that you were supposed to do as an adult were draw and play music. So um, <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I decided I didn't want to be a cartoonist. Like I always enjoyed drawing, but um I started a band with my brother and um, in high school and uh, we started playing music. We were getting shows and stuff. And I just started designing the posters for shows because, you know, that's it. Like, oh, I can draw. I'll just do these posters for my shows. Um, and then other people started asking me to do the posters for their shows. Uh, and then like, um, you know, a couple of local music magazines and stuff started going, oh, well, you know, will you draw this band for this article? And um, I agreed to do it twofold. One, because I was getting free paid in concert tickets rather than actual money. And B, <laughs> I figured uh, I could get coverage for our band um, from these papers once I was in there. Uh, come to find out... <laughs> that like working with promoters on flyers and working with local papers and stuff, they'd be like, yeah, now that you're an illustrator for us, we can't cover your band or give you a show because it'll look like nepotism. <laughs> it's like, well, like, well, then you're going to have to start paying me money. <laughs> right, right, right. No, <laughs> I was in it for the nepotism. Yeah, exactly. You get it? The entire reason I was doing it. Um, so uh, yeah, once I started getting paid to do artwork, that kind of became the full-time thing. I mean, obviously, still do the band and stuff but um what was kind of plan b very quickly became plan a uh just because i was like finding lots of success with it right. um and then i was working with um uh sean who founded fyf fest he was writing for um the magazine la record that i was doing the most work with right uh and so FYF was like a free punk festival in Echo Park and they were right. doing it was um, sort of a precursor to uh, Festival Supreme. They were doing, it was mainly bands, but then they'd have a stage of like stand-ups and stuff that were all showing. In, in a tent. In, yeah, in, in a night. tent. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. you'd get like Jonah Ray, uh, yeah. he was good friends, he was part of that crew. And, you know, a lot of guys that went on to bigger and better things afterwards were just right. like Sean's friends doing stand-up at the time. Pretty, pretty much anybody who was on the Meltdown with Jonah and Kamel. Yes, absolutely. It was a very big, there was a big crossover between FYF and Meltdown. Yeah. Um, and uh, then FYF started getting bigger and bigger. I was doing the posters and like all the merch for them and stuff. Um, then they got bought out by Golden Voice. Mm -hmm. So suddenly... I was doing posters for Golden Voice shows, like, you know, big name bands coming through town. And then through that started working with them on Coachella and stuff. Like, so I was doing, you know, kind of for the Coachella side shows when, you know, all the bands are stuck in LA for two weeks and they do all these shows right. in between the two Coachellas. So I was doing that. And then um, 
you know, through that, people would ask me if I knew how to do music videos and stuff like, oh, we want an animated music video. And then I'd lie and say I knew how to animate and then like, hell yeah, learn how to do stuff, which is the freelancer's code. Never say you don't know how to do something. Yeah, yeah. Just Absolutely. lie. Yeah. And uh, then figure it out, mm-hmm. especially if the paycheck's big enough. You'd like, well, they've already paid me. I can't like give this back to them. <laughs> I, so I better learn. Like, I can't admit that I don't know how to do it. It's like, I better right, learn. Right. Um, so yeah, it just kind of through the music business stumbled into it. And it's funny because I've actually done a couple talks on my whole career, uh, on my own, but a couple in tandem with my dad. And ironically, his story is exactly the same. Like he got into it through playing in bands, uh, in Manchester in the seventies, like kind of in the pre punk scene. And then once, you know, punk happened, um, he was the only person anybody knew that could draw. So it was like, oh, do our album cover and stuff. And then suddenly, you know, he got into that and then got into newspaper illustration and cartoons through that. But yeah, we both set out to be musicians. <laughs> and ended up <laughs> cartoonists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, I, so have you ever heard that maxim that every musician wants to be a comedian, every comedian wants to be, uh, wants to be a musician? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, really resonate. It really resonates. It definitely resonates. It resonates with it. Up one hundred percent applies to cartoonists as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you you done so much show, uh, poster work, but then you mentioned that you know you uh, did a music video. I mean, so what was that process? You actually like you know watched uh, how to animate something, and then is that a big part of what you do now? Yeah, um, to an extent. Uh, so um, I took an animation class in high school. So I sort of had um, a a fundamentals on it. Um, And, um, but it was like traditional animation, like, you know, with the camera and the pencils and the flipboard and stuff. Um, So it technically didn't help, but kind of the fundamentals were there, you know, how to do a walk cycle. And um, so I had a little bit of knowledge uh, and yeah, it just kind of, through experimenting in my own free time, um, you know, had a little bit of an idea when I got hired for stuff, but I'd never been like in charge of a three minute animated video, you know? Uh-huh. So um, I actually, I'm, I, I don't think anybody enjoys animation. This is why there's teams of like 50 people, you know, and there's a guy to do in between frames and stuff and backgrounds, but I was doing it basically all myself with my brother. Um, right. So we're a team of two people in charge of like, you know, three to five minutes of animation. Oh man! Um, so I don't enjoy it at all. But um, did that take a year or like several months to do just between the two of you? <laughs> they 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 should have done, <laughs> <laughs> but usually the deadlines were always like a month. Um, so you know, it would just be like day and night. So um, it started out with a few small uh, projects for. Um, there was um, a band called the Macaroons who were a Jewish children's band. Um, They hired me. Uh Uh, And then it turned out half of them were members of this band, Guster, who were on Universal. Oh yeah, I know Guster. They had a couple hits in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did, they hired me to do an animation for Guster. uh, And then through that, like did some stuff for Epitaph, Mm-hmm. Um, I did a couple animations for Tenacious D. Right. Um, I did some animations for Super Deluxe. And I've actually just 
um, directed and animated um, a short uh, called Chainsaw of Love written by my friend David Clare. Um, so we, he wrote it and we co-directed it and I animated it, but that's just hit a bunch of film festivals this oh, summer. Fun. But they're like, you know, smaller film festivals because um, we kind of just did it for fun and then just submitted it, you know, not really expecting anything to happen, but it, it's doing pretty well. So that's awesome. uh, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I, I've officially co-directed my first short film that's in festivals. But I, I made sure to, on all my animations, mm. and some people have more of a problem with this than others, is that I put a big, like, directed and animated by credit at the end, you know, like a, a credit screen. So my music videos are the only ones with, like, credits at the end, like a full roll of credits rather than just the little info at the end. I think that's fun. I like that more than, like, I've noticed this in a lot of, like, um, music videos for let's say uh top 40 right um that there's like you know probably three or four it's not even like actual screens for credits but they like they have credits opening the music video to silence right. yeah, yeah it's yeah. like this production company in association with this entertainment group and yeah. this artist and i'm like i don't I'm not here for that. Yeah. Although I did always like it when like Hype Williams would do it and you get this music video. It's just like all about Hype Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I admired that. I also like when um, like Jason Derulo does that with every one of his songs mm. where it's just like Jason Derulo. <laughs> right. Cool. Yeah. You got to let the people know. <laughs> I mean, it, it sticks, right? It st- that's the whole point. Yeah. That's the whole point. Um, are you interested in, well, actually, before I get to that, like, so the, you, this is your first co-directing gig. What does that even entail directing animation? And how is that for you? You know, I don't, I have no idea. I feel like nobody directs <laughs> that. Like my friend wrote it. <laughs> my friend wrote it. I animated right. it and then it was done. It was like, there was no. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, you just interpreted what he wrote in animation. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, then we but, all went, yeah, that looks fine. And then we yeah. got it. <laughs> and so, I'm guessing he did, he did all like the recording of like the voice actors and stuff, right? Yeah, well, it's basically silent. So, um, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, my brother does a lot of the post-production stuff. So all of the sound effects and stuff uh, he did. Um, but yeah, there, there's uh, like one line where the girl goes, um thanks and the guy goes uh-huh <laughs> and that's it uh-huh. uh so uh it so it's got international appeal we can dub it they can go you know arigato <laughs> go, Hi. you know or like right, you right, know right, right. merci we yep. so you know there you go uh <laughs> yeah I, but yeah other than that i have no idea what um having technically directed a bunch of music videos uh right. And now directed a short. I have no idea what direction of animation entails. Um, <laughs> so I'd love to get a gig on like a feature length as an animation director because apparently you don't do anything. Like I'll right. just take the credit. Right. Uh, <laughs> you just like it's really down to, Yeah. 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 It's down to whoever storyboarded it and then right. whoever animated it. It's like, yeah, that's really. I'm sure the director at some point on bigger projects steps in and goes, well, change that frame to that frame. But like other than that, I really don't know what the the gig consists of. 
I'm <laughs> glad the mystery continues. I, I totally know yeah. what directing theater and like movies and TV with in actual live people is, is like, but like <laughs> animation yeah. is still a mystery. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it yeah, always it can't be like, well, you know, I was gonna say, you can't just tell the like cartoon character to do another take of it. So it's like, well, that's no. it. It was also, <laughs> it, it, it was fascinating to me when Bojack Horseman came along um, that Raphael, Bob Waksberg, who created it, he had never done animation before. Right. And he hit up his friend, Lisa Hanawal, who originally in the first season or first couple of seasons is credited as the production designer. But like in, I know animation terms are not the same as like in-person live action terms, but it like a production designer is has way less power in like the live action world than she decided the entire look of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I know. So it's a, the, the animation world is tricky because really it should be the character designer gets most of the credit because that's what people are looking for. Like even if you didn't co-create, let alone create the show, it right. should be like, you know, Lisa Hanawalt. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what you're looking at. Yeah. That's the right. famous part. That's the part that gets put on t-shirts and stuff is the, you know, yeah. Is the character. Um, but yeah, uh, my, my friend, Mike, Ho- Mike Hollingsworth is the love Mike Hollingsworth director of Bojack, but I've never asked him what he does. So <laughs> like <laughs> Mike wants it. Oh man. The, uh, this brings me back. I was on the back patio of Cine Family, RIP, um, and M- Mike was explaining to me that um, he he put a mic in the animation studio because he he lo- like a lot of the like animal pun jokes in BoJack Horseman come from him, right? <laughs> and he he would just like want to work out like stupid jokes during the day and he would be, be the only one to do it he would always yeah. encourage everybody else to do it and because they're all animators um they wouldn't do it right yeah. <laughs> um are you interested in doing more long form projects like or expanding like exploring other things um yeah um i'm exploring the world of both animation and graphic novel as we speak. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, and it's all a little hush-hush. Um, there's something I'm working on uh, that I might be the, if it gets picked up, I'll be the character designer on something pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm working on my own graphic novels and comics and um, kind of currently pitching a couple animation ideas. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, really, I'd love to do anything that um, doesn't have me doing the frame-by-frame animation. <laughs> absolute worst part. I'd like to just draw the character from like three different angles. Yeah. Go, this is what I want to happen. And then uh, just leave it up to other people. I mean, that is... I went is... to school for animation to know what they're doing. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, that is directing in a way. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. Well, we figured it out then. We've solved the mystery of what the we solved the mystery. Yeah, because yeah, on a set, you you know, you're not supposed to be an expert uh, like as much as like a DP on lenses, or like you're not actually acting in the movie a lot of the time, and you know, you're not a production designer, you're not like costume or whatever, but you try to marry all those things together with this vision that you have. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're the conductor. You're the conductor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, 
when you walk on set, you have to solve so many problems because um, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how it is. Um, I'd be curious uh, to hear if you care to share what, it, I mean, I think I kind of asked this a little earlier, but what, is, what are some of the more ridiculous projects you've gotten to work on throughout the years uh, as an animator, as an illustrator, whether it be your own stuff or things that you've been commissioned for? Um, there's been, there's been a couple, um, I always have fun, uh, getting every so often, cause I do these big crowd scenes and stuff. Like that's one of my calling cards is these ridiculously detailed crowd scenes, right. um, is I always get hit up to do sort of where, where's Waldo E stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, I remember one, I had to do one for the, uh, cover of the OC weekly. Um, and it was sort of about all different news events in Orange County. Um, but one that had happened is the police had uh, very unreasonably uh, beaten um, a homeless man to death. Mm -hmm. um, and I hid that in the crowd scene uh, without mentioning that to the editors. <laughs> and they, got a, they got a lot of complaints. Hell yeah. Uh, and my favorite part was that the editors then had to defend it and defend my right, having not known it was in there. And they were fucking pissed. <laughs> they were very annoyed with me for hiding this in there. But uh -huh. they were like, well, you know, it's his right. He's, a, he's the artist. We're fine with it. But yeah, behind the scenes, they're like, why did you do this to us? <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of that, there's a, there's a current gig floating around for a... Um, uh, I actually don't know where we stand on this gig and I won't give too, too many details away mm -hmm. in case A, I jinx it, B, it doesn't happen, C, uh, I'm not allowed to talk about it. But right. there's a, a very famous kind of um, metal band that have mm -hmm. approached me about doing a Where's Waldo search. Uh, oh, fun, man. Uh, for all sorts of stuff. But it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is where we want like the pig shit puddle. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> this yeah, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, and it's... Um, uh, I think the marrying our two styles, because I'm very not metal. Right. <laughs> My artwork is not metal at all. Right. Um, uh, so if it pans out, I think we'll end up with a very silly uh, right. end product that I think both parties will be very happy with, because I think we both want something very stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get, I get hit up for ridiculous stuff all the time. Um, and most of the time I say yes. Yeah, the dumber idea, the dumber the idea, the better. <laughs> right. Uh, and that that's that's beautiful because a lot of people, they, they, it feels like they can almost kind of imagine it, but like manifesting it into a real image. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, you know, it, maybe it takes some bravery, you know, to draw something that dumb. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, off pod, you had mentioned we, we had a conversation uh, after not seeing each other probably for years because uh, I, I think I briefly met you at some show. Um, yeah, we've definitely met each other around at different comedy shows for sure. Yeah, um, but we, we uh, recently reunited and had a conversation at, I mean, I think this is just worth noting, the music video release of uh, a comedian uh, named Greg Barris and his uh, dance, The Gallimimus. Yes. Which, uh, fun fact, that song is actually produced by my brother. He did all the music for it, yes. Oh, wow. And what's your brother's name? His name is Joe, Joe McGarry. Joe producer, McGarry. Comedy music producer extraordinaire. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm pretty sure you could uh, you, you could definitely watch the music video for the Gallimimus uh, on YouTube, and uh, I'm sure the song itself is on Spotify. You can crank it out. Yeah, it's all up there. I have no idea how it's spelled. The spelling seems to change all the time. It's definitely spelled wrong. Right. It's you know definitely Gallimimus with two L's. Yeah, and and knowing Greg, I feel like the spelling isn't that important. Yeah, the, and, and the misspelling is almost definitely deliberate, but it yeah. makes it impossible to try and spell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure it'll come up if you if you imagine whatever Gallimimus is uh, in your head to be spelled like, uh, it, it, you'll find it. Yeah. Um, but if not, you can definitely spell Greg Barris, and you'll definitely find it that way. Absolutely. But he, uh, Greg, threw a whole uh, release party for the music video, which ironically did not play with sound uh, when he tried <laughs> to get it to play for like a half hour. And then uh, we, we uh, got to chat in the meantime. But you mentioned it, you actually get hit up by um, like news uh, uh, sources as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, every so often or something I do. Uh, ends up on the news. I, um, I'm i trying to think, because I, I don't think I've ever actually been approached by the news per se. Um, I did uh, a piece for that big, when that book, um, The Fire and the Fury came out uh, uh-huh. by, I forget the Michael, author's name. Michael something? Yeah, could, yeah, Michael Steele maybe? No, that's not, that's the guy, the former head of the GOP, um, whoever it was. Um, the, the, I got hit up by, um, was it Hollywood Reporter or Variety, one of those two, about doing an illustration because they had this book excerpt that was coming out. And right. then um, the deadline got pushed and it turned out to be this book and it leaked and they had the exclusive or what have you. And I had this illustration of Trump in bed eating a bunch of fast food that accompanied the article. But then because this article was newsworthy, it ended up all over the news. Um, uh, yeah, so like Rachel Maddow and, you know, um, Lawrence O'Donnell and all of the MSNBC people and CNN and all that right. talking about it with the my illustration in the background because that was the image that accompanied the article. But the best one ever in terms of newsworthiness for me was I did another cover for OC Weekly a good few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a brutal murder uh, oh uh, really really showed the like blood-stained wall and right. cement right on the news but in the puddle of blood was my cover for see weekly so i ended up <laughs> on the news uh because somebody got brutally murdered holding my magazine which is not funny it's very sad for the person right uh, and their family right. but kind of a, a funny way to end up on the news is like yeah. in a puddle of blood. Um, in a puddle of blood. Now yeah. that wasn't the same cover where you hid a police. No, no, okay. that would be too too perfect. Too weird. Too weird. Too weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For for sure. Now you had mentioned to me that you came up like your dad through like trying to do music and making posters. What would you do you think that's a way that people can come up and in, in cartoon, car, uh, being a cartoonist, illustrate, illustrator, or animation? Uh, it's certainly a way to come right. up. It's actually, it's really good. It's, um, I mean, sort of now with social media, 
it actually probably, in my opinion, it would be the best way, but obviously I'm biased, but it's the easiest way to get people sharing your work because everybody in your local scene, your community will see it and be aware of it. Like the people that you want to be friends with, like say you're designing a poster for your favorite band and other like-minded people will then see that poster because they also like that band. They're like, oh, this guy's cool or this right. girl is cool or this person is cool. I don't want right, to gender. Right. Anybody can be a cartoonist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then uh, by the nature of you know concert or comedy posters, people will share it because they have to share it to the entire point is to promote stuff. So. Right. Um, you know, it's a good way to get eyeballs on your work. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause a, a world that I feel like I, I am sadly not as well acquainted with as I would like to be zines. And that seems to be a way to get into illustration and animation that I don't think people were really doing maybe in the seventies. Yeah. Or certainly if they were, it was, you know, cause kind of, um, Crumb and all of them came out of that san francisco underground press you know so you, there there was a sort of pre-zine world but you know now with um just modern technology it's so much easier to create a zine and share zines but uh yeah it's a world that hasn't really escaped or that that has escaped me as well i haven't really delved too deep into right that world as well um because it does seem it seems like a space for people with something to say. <laughs> Wait, are you saying you don't have anything to say, Luke? Yeah, I know. I can do jokes. I do jokes about current affairs, but I don't have like really any like deep home truths that I got to, you know, sometimes I do, but I don't have enough that I need to right. uh, make a zine. <laughs> you mean the, uh, there's, there's no greater meaning to the bandana I have of the Texas extra. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Texasist, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's like an onion. That's got a lot of layers, but I'll let the audience peel that for themselves. Sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, some of my stuff is layered. Uh, 90% of it is not. <laughs> 90% of it, you're safe taking at face value. Yeah. Right, 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 right. No, I do get, I do, do get the sense that whenever I have glanced into scenes that they're uh, uh, having a message is kind of um, key. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there are plenty of zines that are just uh, ludicrous, you know, nonsense. Like my friend um, uh, Mikey Heller um, did uh, this excellent comic called Bagel High about bagels that go to high school. And that right. had a very zine uh, feel to it. But I mean, I, I could be wrong, but there's almost definitely no deeper meaning <laughs> to <laughs> Bagels in high school, trying to download music off LimeWire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing not. Other than you know, maybe another just coming of age experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, I, 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 before I forget, you mentioned a graphic novel. Can you tell me any more about that or no? Um. There's, well, there's a couple. One of them, I'm expanding the uh, uh, comic I did for Mad Magazine for uh, a year or two before they uh, fired, every, before DC came in and fired everybody. Right. Um, but I was doing a strip called The 27 Club, which was like, uh, it was about, uh, you know, Jim Morrison and Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and all them coming down from rock and roll heaven to solve crimes on earth, right. sort of like the Justice League. So. I'm definitely expanding that to 
it's already a stupid concept, but it gets <laughs> even stupider uh, in the expanded graphic novel. Right. Um, but yeah, there's a few things uh, along those lines, but that's the one um, that has existed already in some form that I'm, I'm comfortable talking about publicly right. um, until okay. it's published. Cool. Well, yeah. I, I look forward to that. Now, you mentioned you're in a band with your brother, and yes. it's, it's still, it's just going to be an ongoing thing, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are you guys called? We're called Pop Noir. Pop like, Noir. Like film Noir, but... I feel like that noir. gives a pretty good sense of what the band, like, uh, your guys' sound is. Yeah, absolutely. It really, it really does. We're, um, we're very, uh, very synthy, uh, but mm-hmm. with guitars, we're very kind of, if you like New Order, if you like Depe- Depeche Mode, um, right. we're sort of in that vibe. I mean, it sounds like a genre, pop noir. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it could very well be, yeah. Now, is there is there a future where you would actually end up via your comedy music produ- producer extraordinaire brother make a comedy music song um, that you would animate? Well, we're, I'm actually one step ahead of you uh, on that. It, um, last it got the whole release got screwed up by the pandemic right. but last year i released um a seven inch mm-hmm. uh on vinyl vinyl seven inch um called uh black leather mm-hmm. um it was a, a cover of an old obscure nightmares in wax song oh, um, cool. and the b-side was an original called go ghost but it was it's it's not a comedy song per se, but it's definitely not serious. Sure. Um, uh, it's tongue in cheek. Um, and I released an animated video for that. But yeah, there's always um, scope for that. Um, little bits of side project. But yeah, this is all always any music I do, whether it's our real band together or my solo stuff is produced by my brother um, being the both comedy and normal music uh, producer extraordinaire that he is. Um, but yeah, so there, there is a little bit more. I'm, I'm working on some other, again, quote unquote, solo stuff um, oh as well. That's a little sillier than my actual music. So yeah. <laughs> is that going to be done under a pseudonym? I, I just do it under uh, my same. Uh, it's almost a pseudonym. Lukey McGarry. Uh, yeah, is, yeah. Is, you know, my Instagram handle. So yeah, this stuff is released. I might, I want to start an official band called, uh, official band, again, all of this in air quotes, called right. Lukey McGarry's Black Leather. And just yeah. have it, like, you know, the whole thing is very, you know, uh, fist in the air, leather jacket type right. vibe. But, right. um, but very self-aware. Of- very self-aware, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of, um, if you were looking canonically at Judas Priest's oeuvre, Right. It's a point where they got into breaking the law, breaking the law, where it became just a parody of itself. And oh, that's yeah. Sort of where I'm at. Um. <laughs> I think that could be very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Be very fun. I'm having fun. With it, yeah. I feel like Queens of the Stone Age kind of got into that a little bit, being like um, a, a bit of parody of themselves. Maybe not in sound, but visually for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can't get a handle on Queens of the Stone Age. I can't tell whether I like them, whether I dislike them. Whether- <laughs> it's definitely not even album by album it's like song by song like yeah 
Like I there, most of Era Vulgaris, I don't like, but there is like one or two songs. Yeah. All I know is that song that no one knows or whatever rips. That one's good. I like oh, that. yeah. It's, <laughs> I think it put them on the map. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention probably one of the more explicit animated videos that's yeah, ever yeah. been made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how they got away with that, really, um, other than they, they did. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, there's like a truck that drives into a woman's uh, private parts. Yes, there is. <laughs> yeah, you can, go, you can go watch it. It's on YouTube. I'm sure they didn't take it down. Um, well, I, I guess I will, one last question. Yeah, I mean, is there any, I mean, you're mentioning all these projects, so I guess you're working on like what you would dream, but is there some pie in the sky dream that you have that like, you know, you haven't started planning? Um, I mean, the, the end goal for me is, uh, <laughs> the, the, the real dream is to write, uh, like an illustrated children's book or like a, a young adult graphic novel or whatever uh-huh. that then gets picked up by somebody else and made into like, um, you know, a Disney series or like a Netflix series or something sort of like, like where Sweet Tooth is at right now or the whole right. Diary of a Wimpy Kid or, uh, you know, God forbid a, a Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something where it's like, oh, here, we'll take your IP Right. Like, I think the guy that came up with the Minions or Despicable Me or whatever right. sold uh, his whole stake in it for, like, $2 million or something crazy. Right. And obviously, in my dream, in my fantasy, I'd want a little bit more than that. But something where somebody goes, here's a load of money. We're just going to take your idea and make it into a thing. And you right. can just sit back and relax. Um, so, yeah, something pie-in-the-sky dream is to uh, do it one of the children's books that I'm working on, somebody takes it, gives me a load of money, lets me retain the rights to it, and uh-huh. then just makes it into a massively successful film franchise or series. Right. Uh, and uh, that, that would suit me down to the ground. That's my dream. That's awesome. As you were saying that, what I imagine, like given just your sensibilities and um, your animation style, uh, whatever that would be, I feel like would be made into a musical by Tim Minchin. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. I yeah. that would be a lot of fun. I'm a, speaking of going back to musical comedy. I, I'm a big fan of Tim Minchin. Yeah. Um, and again, that's another one that like was snuck in. Uh, yeah. Well, he's very much not your typical musical comedian. Absolutely. It's it's very smart. It's uh, yeah. not that other musical comedians aren't smart, but his stuff is very complex. Uh, yeah. I actually heard in, in an interview once, Tim even explained that there, biologically, some his, the shape of his skull, specifically his mouth, uh-huh. allows him to say a lot of words while singing uh, better than most people. Huh. Well, it certainly doesn't, having met him once through friends, it certainly doesn't help him to remember my name. <laughs> He's like, so was it Sam? Was it Ian? <laughs> Not, even, not close yeah not like even. four or five times at the same party like we'd yes. start a conversation and be like dave <laughs> not even dave. like a like a larry yeah or not a... even close not even close <laughs> <laughs> well but you know what now i can't were... even hear him up i can't even go hey tim uh it's luke from that party a few years ago do you remember me right, <laughs> like, right, dave? right, right. larry <laughs> So yeah, you'll remember your name one of these days. One yeah, of these days, when we're working together. Right, 
Or maybe he'll just remember you as Lukey. I mean, like, I have never introduced myself ever in my entire life as Jakey. But, like, people, without me asking, call me that. Yeah. And I'm like, what about my whole vibe gives off, like, a Jakey? I don't feel, like, very Jakey, you know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, I took the reason, I mean, it was a childhood nickname. Like, you know, it's just like what my parents called me up until I was like four, I was Lukey. Right. Um, but then when I came to try and grab an Instagram handle, uh, Luke McGarry was taken by some like Australian news reporter. So I just, Lukey McGarry. Um, and my middle name is Edward. So I was going to do Luke E. McGarry was going to be my name. But then I thought that would look like Lukey anyway. So I was like, oh, I might as well just go with L-U-K-E-Y. Um, but now people do call me that they introduce me as that uh it, it's funny when there's like an argument going on with somebody in my instagram comments and somebody will step in to defend me and be like no lukey says you know look like, right <laughs> about it. Like, you're really kind of undermining the seriousness of my point here right right by calling me lukey yeah right and uh-huh. you know maybe this is uh far-fetched but with the popularity of loki i feel like lukey's gonna stick around yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> maybe maybe i should have been loki mcgarry yeah loki mcgarry hey <laughs> I, I mean certainly just you drawing a loki would be fun yeah or yeah. All, all the Lo- i don't know if you've seen it at all but there's a bunch of different variants of loki that it, i've seen i've seen people keep doing fan art of the alligator loki and i yeah. have no idea what's going on <laughs> i don't know what any of this is um i'll just <laughs> say in a word multiverse okay yeah <laughs> Good, good to know. Yeah, there's an alligator Loki. There's like an old Loki. There's like a bunch of different Lokis. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's it for this episode, man. Thank you so much for joining us. That was really great. Like I've never, uh, I mean, I know a bunch of cartoonists through Picture This mostly, um, which is a great show. Great show. And it's coming back. There's uh, there's a date in August uh, in New York. And then uh, I think there, there's probably a date TBD uh, in LA. Uh, just follow Naked Comedy online and you'll find out. But where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me. The, the best place is uh, on Instagram at Lukey McGarry, L-U-K-E-Y-M-C-G-A-R-R-Y. Um, or just LukeMcGarry.com. Uh, I have a shop there. You can find out that but yeah the, my handle on all social media is just Lukey McGarry so you can find me wherever uh, yeah is there anything else you'd like to promote uh no <laughs> no, <laughs> no I feel like we went through a lot of stuff so yeah, no, I just wanted to double check yeah we're, we're coming out of a pandemic there's not that much on <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I get that but uh <laughs> Luke has such a distinct style uh, you know one of um it's unmistakable and I enjoy always seeing it whether it's in posters or uh, is that Trump cartoon the Hollywood Reporter or whatever it is thank Um, you very much yeah absolutely Uh, I'm Jake Kroger I created the Comedy Bureau you can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com at the Comedy Bureau across socials Um, you can find me at not the supermarket on Instagram and at MFJ Kroger on Twitter Uh, there are a lot of great causes to support this time I ask you to support those but if you have money or your generosity left uh, over after that uh, please support the Comedy Bureau because it's been going on for 10 almost 11 years and it's all just me Uh, and I really really uh, appreciate the support 
Um, do you have anything to say as we sign off here, Luke? Uh, thank you for having me. It's been lovely to chat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and it, comedy, both live and animated, is happening, has been happening. And, uh, you know, I might be biased, but I think you should go support it. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Granillo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.